Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. The Steinsaltz Chumash is the long-awaited English version of Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz's pioneering translation and commentary on the Torah. Like his monumental translation and commentary of the entire Talmud, the new Steinsaltz Kumash includes a treasure trove of information to make the text clear, fascinating, and relevant to users of all backgrounds. Join us as we speak with Rabbi Meni Evan Israel about his father's Torah insights. You're listening to New Books in Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network, and I'm your host, Michael Morales. Rabbi Meni Evan Israel serves as the executive director of the Steinsaltz Center, which oversees the teachings and publications of Rabbi Adin Evan Israel Steinsaltz and he has recently put out the app Steinsaltz Daily Study. Rabbi Medi, welcome back to New Books and Jewish Studies. Thank you, sir. It's so nice to be back here. Um, always appreciation and always good to see you and to appreciate everything you do. So as we consider your father's Steinsaltz Kumash, would you tell us about the role of Moses' Torah in Judaism? So the, in general, the five books of Moses are the first elemental core block of faith. Buddhism takes the, the word of God, the way we perceive it, that God gave the Torah to Moses on Mount Sinai, is literally the word of, the word of God. That is the perspective of orthodoxy, but I think in general that is what people believe in. The, um, the, the basic concept behind it is that we believe God gave Moses the, the, the blueprint of how humanity is supposed to be a. We know from the beginning of the story, that God gave humanity a big gift, big, big gift called the freedom of choice. You know, that that was the biggest gift God gave mankind. And the Torah is one of the guidelines that he gave to humanity in general, how to behave, how to find the right way. A lot of the laws, we, we, we're counting around 613 of them, a lot of them have to do with the temple, when we have a temple, but also a lot of them have to do with human interaction, human relationship. Uh, there's very famous one is what do you do if somebody stole? You know, so in the good old days, 
there was no jail system because they, they understood very well that the completely not useful for society. A person who stole has to repent what he did. So one of the rules is that if you steal, you pay double. Now, if you don't have double, again, that was not as good, we sell you to slavery. It's true that the way slavery was supposed to be, it was more humane, but for the second conversation, the idea was that you need to pay your damages. It was not just, you know, okay, you sit in jail for five years, which doesn't help anybody. We believe there's a separation between the five books. Here, the first book is the book of the lore and legend, which is the book of, of the forefathers Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and his descendants. And then the second, third, and fourth book are the books of the law that really them more commandments in, on why, how you be able to so forth, and the story of the Hebrews in the desert. And then the last book is basically Moshe, Last Will and Testament which he described what he feels, what is God, what is the notion of faith, and, and maybe a lot of our theological ideas come from the fifth book specifically. Um, traditionally, Jews, since the last about thousand years, read a Torah portion. We divide entire five books to 54 portions, and we read them as the week goes by, week by week. We have something called Var Torah, which means the word of Torah that people do every week. I do a little bit one. Some people do a whole book about it. My wrote a whole book about it. It's called Talks on the Parsha. So it, it, people talk about that. Usually the, the, the Jewish cycle, the, the Hebrew cycle today, is based on those Torah portions. And the more we go, the more we talk about it, the more it's uh, interesting. My father was a big believer in the book. And um, if I may, you know, what makes a holy book holy is the fact that I can interpret it as I go through generations. I'm not sure if the meaning I have now is exactly the meaning that Moses thought about. I'm not sure. I mean, possible, but I'm not sure about it. The, the, but it's clear to me that the way I interpret it today, with again, with the respect to thousands of years of education and, and tradition, is part of what makes the book holy. It, in a way, if I may be sacrilegious, Shakespeare become holy, because people can read it to our generation and tell the story of Romeo and Juliet on every context of life. I agree, it doesn't work with every play of Shakespeare, but in the theory of it, that will make a book holy or significant. Now, but my father believed in it was, was tremendous. I mean, he spent um, hours teaching it and spent hours making sure that I learned it. I had, uh, you know, in the beginning of my, my youth, I was about first grade. Um, you know, I got like many other kids, I presume, in, my, in our time, you got when the teachers had more courage. So I got my report card, fresh report card mid-year, you know, first uh, winter session. And then said, many is a very intuitive kid, very, very, very good. However, he lacks the ability of reading properly. My father took that to heart. He got insulted by it. He felt that, the, you know, he got, it's like somebody slapped him. So he, he took it as the part of his, uh, mission. He spent time with me every Friday night after the family meal, after the Shabbat meal, who learned with me the Torah portion. I'm telling you, um, I used to cry, I used to scream, you know, you were good learn all of it. But uh, after a couple of years, you know, I got the point, I got the gist of it, I read a lot of books now. And um, but what he, he, he made very clear to me after I finished the first cycle, said, okay, now I want you to read it again and tell me 
tell me why do we need this verse? Why is this verse important both to your age and Muslim? And two, how do you explain this context? What is the question here? What is the idea? The best example for that is we know, again, according to the, the text, that that Moses lived 120 years. Okay. The information we have about Moses only encompass his birth, his rebellion against the Pharaoh father, and he's married to his, to Jethro's daughter, and then coming back to Egypt and do the miracles and become the leader. Is a gap of about 80 years that we really have no information. So the questions, what we have, why this book stays the way it is, are extremely, extremely important. And my father, like many other scholars before him, trying to put the right timeline and information to fulfill that particular gap. Your father of blessed memory was an intellectual giant. Would you give us one or two examples of his Torah insights, which listeners can access in his Kumash? I will give I'll give some example, um, which we, I think that they, uh, I'll give one more controversial and less controversial. Okay, we'll start with less controversial. When you read about a term in the five books of Moses or a concept of five books of Moses, and like, we almost see where it is. When you see a picture of it, an image of it, of a note of it, you're like, ah, that's what it means. That is the way it's it's set in this context of time and history. One of the most famous things, which actually it's not in the book, but the idea is there, is saying that that uh, God redeemed the, the the Jewish people from Egypt with a strong with strong arm and and a, and a drone hand, or that way around. And it's funny because I saw it in the Bishni room with a guy professor Rappinzorms. Basically, show us the, the picture of the Egyptian pharaohs, you know, and show that they are in power is that they're holding the staff in one hand and they make the directions in the So it's exactly the same thing. So the, the idea of the notes, the fathers and others, are exactly that giving this, bringing the lives together. The other thing you remember about this book, the translation, the English, the English translation is the new translation. Like any other translation, is basically based on King James. Everybody does. But there is some kind of a adjustment that my team did in order to adjust it to the commentary. Because that's what happened when you, you translated for a commentary. So one thing I would like to discuss it, and it's something that's a bit controversial, but hey, it might as well be controversial. So we know, again, by the text, is that one of our forefathers, Isaac, Son of Avram, brother of Ismail, is is he's about to get married to a woman named Rebecca, one of the four mothers. She she's a great lady. He's a great man, but mathematically, somebody made the math. One of the major commentators that mathematically, I married her when she was three years old. Very uncomfortable in modern terms. Right? Well, I don't think it was comfortable ever, but definitely not in modern terms. Now the reason to say that it's very simple. There's a very simple mathematical equation. Avram was, uh, I'm sorry, um, Isaac was born when Sarah was was uh, 90, right? That's what we know. That's the story, the, state, the, the, the story said. We know that she died in 127. She was 127 years old, which made Isaac 37. And that was, according to that particular reading, that was immediately after the sacrifice of Isaac the binding of Isaac. 
But theoretically, even though in a lot of the art, especially in, in uh, there's a big debate, he was 16, 25, but usually it was a young man. But immediately after the Torah portion is concluding that amazing story of the of the binding of Isaac, after that there's a section about the descendants of the brothers of Abraham, of Abraham, of Abraham, which are one of them is Rebecca. So somebody made the math. If it's mentioned immediately after the theme, she was born immediately then. That's me. When Isaac married her, we know he was forty years old. Must be that she was three years old. So these things are a big issue when people talk about it, and it's been there's a lot of reasons behind the exploration. Father said, Father said, I have a problem with it. Father said, Look, there are the commentators who are saying that she was left three, she was 14, she was 16, she was 18, she was a young woman. And that to them, and we said the proof of that is from the actual word in the text that when she's about to go and marry Isaac, this the, her brother, Laban, Laban, says to her, we asked the young woman what she feel. And if she was a child, they will say a young child. We believe that the Torah is extremely accurate. To my father, without the discussion, he's not respecting the elders and then he said, look, there's other way of reading it. The third most important point I think about this is the comfortability of the read. It's a very, very comfortable read. The English, I think, is superb and comfortable. It's comfortable in the sense that, I can, again, I can't say it's a novel, all right? Let's not push it. It's not a, it's not a good, it's not a novel back to Shakespeare. Hey, it's about an easier read than Shakespeare. But it's very comfortable English. It's very modern English. And that's something that we emphasize throughout our career, in my career, at least the way I'm trying. My father taught me that. You make it accessible to as large a majority lot of people. Everybody has the right to know. Jews and non-Jews alike, you have to know. This is part of the culture of the world. You know, as I forgot to say that, and I'm sure somebody probably will find out, uh, who said that the, 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 the reason Jews need to survive is to justify history. Here's what we do. We tell the story the way the stories were told. We are, the, we are in a sense, we are the lore keeper legend keepers and i think that is what the book is and it's accessible for everybody we have it available also online we have the in the app the sheet called the style of daily study available to everybody and and again i love it i think it's one of the best books my father wrote and you can feel that he is really in it in a lot of ways you see his expression is an impression from it as well we should also mention the aesthetic beauty of this kumash it's filled with color illustrations and maps. Well, Rav Many, would you like to share a final Torah insight from your father? Sure. Uh, one, one of the uh, the other Torah insights that, again, I, I feel that it's all full of Torah insights, is when the father perceived the first word, the Genesis word. And from his perspective, he said, the problem with the book of Genesis, like any other good book, it never starts in the beginning. Even though the word says in the beginning, the assumption is A, you presume there is a God, who never said how God came to be, and two, you presume there was chaos and man. So you're already starting the conversation midway. It's not even being conversation. He said this is something that repetitive throughout the Jewish Bible and throughout 
throughout almost every major book. And by the way, back to Shakespeare, the hero of the story here, is when he describes it, he doesn't always go and give you a full background of every character. You live with the character, and you should dive in the keyword of as what he meant in Judaism, but his knowledge in general. It's never, ever over. The pursuit of knowledge is something that you constantly have it. And you know, as, as you can see from our lovely uh, sign over here, which is glad my people know, that is the idea. And the idea of people over here is three people in their world, people. Knowledge is never ending. I think that's what my father wanted. It's in the keyword, and I'm probably will repeat it as we move forward to the sessions. Father idea is that you create a teacher in your pocket. Doesn't mean you don't have to ask. Doesn't mean you don't have to contemplate with somebody else and ask and, and have a conversation. But the idea that you get a teacher in your pocket that gives you the right tools and the right way to continue the search of knowledge. You are a rabbi in Jerusalem amidst the severe suffering of Israel in the wake of the violent attacks of Hamas. Perhaps before we sign off, you can give us an update on your own efforts amidst the war. Or, um, you know, so our efforts really are, we have, in a lot of ways, we're trying to, we, we have two parts of what we do. One part of it is, like anybody else in Israel, we're trying to help soldiers and family and soldiers to what they actually need. There's a lot of conversation about equipment and this and that. But there's something you have to ask the soldier, what do you need and what the family need? Just think about it. Your family is that the husband is away for three months straight. Well, the wife is away for three months. You know, today we have more and more, it's different. Who's taking care of the kids? Who's paying babysitter? Is there a cleaning plate? Is there after our programming? So we, we created a small farm. Again, we I'm, I'm very close to very clear. We have about 100 students who are in one way or another inside. And, you know, these, right now they have these three distant fronts. You have Gaza front, you have the territory front, and you have the, the north front. Thank God they're all okay. And But again, you have all kind of demand. But I think more than that, what we, we, so we create again, so we create a small fund. And the idea is to give them support for not more than three months. Because Israel, as we all know, part of what we do is we have, it's a social democracy. And we help the people and we'll give them information, whatever the government will eventually will get there. It might take a couple more months. You know, the prediction was originally that we finished this um, uh, war, because there's no other way to describe it in three months. Now this estimating six months maybe longer. Um, again, I, told you, I take no responsibility. <laughs> my my, uh, my uh, reclaimer. So we have this small fund, and that's something we do. The other thing we're going to do, we're about to start in the next couple of weeks. We, we, one of the things we're working on, my father, as you know, wrote, was a Pulitzer writer. He wrote a lot of commentaries. One of the books that he did a commentary on is the book of Mishnah, which is part of the oral Buddhism written second century and it's written more in Hebrew. So we're doing now an effort to translate it to English and then obviously to other languages. But the idea is that the word in Hebrew, Mishnah, which is mean learning, if you change the letters around, it's mean a soul, Neshama, soul. So what we're going to do is we will try to get people to dedicate 
every Mishnah for a fallen individual who fell from in October 7th and after. Doesn't matter if they were Jews or non-Jews, doesn't matter if they were soldiers or civilians, we'll try to dedicate a Mishnah for them. Again, we, we, we need to figure out because actually the production costs money. We'll come up with a number, but that's the thing, that one of the biggest things. The idea is that we will make a Mishnah for every the Shama. So the, the learning and the and the the naming of them will be something to uplift their soul to a higher higher realm and may they have, you know, called rest and peace. That they their soul will reach the resting place in heaven in the right way. Rabbi Many, always good to chat with you. Thank you for taking the time to be with us. My pleasure. Thank you, sir. Friends, thank you for listening to New Books and Jewish Studies, a channel of the New Books Network. Goodbye. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.